Hello, and welcome to the Falls Creek Youth Camp Podcast. This week, we have 4,226 campers and adults from 96 churches. In this service, our camp pastor, Jeremy Freeman, taught on how we should really be living from Acts. And during this message, there were 150 spiritual decisions, including 68 professions of faith. All right. Man, I tell you what, that's awesome. Last night, guys, are you all ready for the last night? It has already, already been fantastic. These, these guys have helped set our mind, our hearts on Jesus, and that's what it's all about. Hey, if you have your Bible, open to Acts chapter 13. All right, Acts 13. Acts chapter 13. While you're turning to Acts 13, I want to just say a couple of things. Man, Caleb, Caleb and I and Clayton, we've had a great time. You guys have been so awesome. Uh, we have tried to get around to as many cabins as we can, and it has been a joy. You've received us well. You've loved us well. You've let Caleb blow you all the kisses in the world. And uh, just, just out of curiosity, how many of you this week has Caleb told that you're beautiful? Show of hands. Look at that. Caleb, that is what we call mass effectiveness right there. How many of you has Caleb said Jesus loves you? Show of hands. Look at that. That's like amazing. That's awesome. Now, a couple of things. Just I want to say this real quick. Get it out of the way. One is, man, if you want to stay caught up with us, the best way to do it is on our Facebook page. Pray for Caleb Freeman. You know, I update there all the time. I've updated about the week. You can follow, see where we're going to be next and all that kind of stuff. It's a great way to stay caught up. Also, if you want to shoot us an email, man, we love to pray for you. We love to hear from you. I can't tell you how many of you I've prayed for this week. You've stopped me and said, pray for my grandmother, pray for my dad, pray for my brother. So much going on in your lives. We want to pray with you. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. You can send an email to hashtag but God. I think it's on here, at gmail.com. Spell out the word, hashtag but God. We want to hear from you. If we can serve you in any way, encourage you in any way, let us know, and we'd love to stay connected with you. All right? Now, tonight, I want you to repeat after me. Everybody say, I, I want, want to live. live. I want to live. I want to share with you tonight one of the most personal messages that I've ever like, developed in my entire life. I've only preached this a few times because I want you to see where God has taken me. So many of you have asked, as a dad, how have you gotten through all the struggles and all the challenges you've been through with all the heartache and all the difficulties? Here's what I hope you at least see me. If you've still yet to give your life to Jesus, and I know there are many of you, if you've still yet to give your life to the Lord, here's what I at least want you to see in me. Man, I have been through the fire. I've been through difficult things. And what I've discovered in my life is that the only way I have made it in my life is because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is better. He is better. He is better than anything this world could ever offer you. He's the only one that will get you through the hard things in your life. He's the only one that will give you meaning and purpose. And he is the only one who can give you real life. And I want to encourage you tonight to dial in. If you can listen tonight with all of your heart, would you say yes? I want you to really hear this message that God's burned in my heart, and I've titled it, I Want to Live. It's the perfect bookend to where we started. We started on night one about choosing life, two doors. Go through the door that God has for you. Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. Acts chapter 13. One of the things about this passage you're going to see are some men 
who if you looked at their circumstances, you would say, that is not what living looks like. You're going to look at these men and you're going to say, this is not what living looks like. Why would they ever follow a God who would cause them to go through some of the things that they went through? Tonight, in this room, you are either existing or you are living. Everybody say exist and say live. I'm convinced most people in life are existing. I, I rarely run into people who are living life and life more abundantly. Seriously, Caleb's about as close as I get to that. Caleb is a sinner, but my wife and I like to say that Caleb expresses all the fruits of the Spirit most regularly in our house. He's walking in the fullness of the Spirit. His joy is not based on his circumstances or his situation or what he does or does not have. His whole life is centered around Jesus and he's got joy in life. But I'm convinced many people are just kind of getting through life. They're just existing. They're just going through the motions. And all of us in this room understand that. Because here's what we think. Man, if I could just make the team, if I could just be a starter, if I could just make the grades, if I just got into this school, if I just got accepted by this group of friends, if I could just get the right boyfriend or the right girlfriend, then I would be content. And I could really begin to live. The problem is when we often get those things, we discover that those things maybe aren't bad in and of themselves, but they don't satisfy our deepest longing. And therefore, we find ourselves moving to the next thing, saying, man, I need something else. And your whole life, you can go about that. And as you get older, if I get the right job, and if I made enough money, if I had all these things, then I would really be alive. But when you get all those things, you discover what? They don't meet your deepest needs. So most people are just existing in this life, just kind of getting up, going through the grind. They get to bed at night, and here's what they say, man, I don't want to go to bed because I got to get up and I got to do it all over the next day. They're not really living, they're existing. Jesus did not come just for you to exist. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen to that? Listen, he doesn't want you just to exist. He wants you to know life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the what? Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. The Apostle Paul said, in Jesus we live and we move and we have our being. And what I want you to see this evening is this. These are some men that we're going to look at. From the world's eyes, they would say, these men aren't living. And why would they serve a God who would do this to them? Let's check it out. Look at Acts chapter 13, the very end. And we're going to go into 14. Acts 13, verse number 49. If you're there, say I'm there. Acts 13, 49, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. But they shook the dust off their feet against them and they went to Iconium. And look at verse 52, and the disciples were filled with what? Everybody say joy. I want to give you some points tonight. Write these down. Here's point number one. You are really living when your joy is based on Jesus. You're really living when your joy is based on Jesus. It just said the verse before that there was persecution stirred up against them. These men were being persecuted. They were suffering. They were driven out of town. But verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The early followers of Jesus had joy. And their joy wasn't based on their circumstances. It wasn't based on uh, the, the things of this world. Their joy was rooted and founded and grounded in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You're, you know you are living when your joy is based on Jesus. Look on to chapter 14, verse 1. 
they move on. Now at Iconium, they entered through together into Genesis synagogue and spoke in such a way, look at this, that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Tonight, that needs to be the case for you. You're hearing the gospel, and I pray you'll come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brothers, so they remained there a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace. This is amazing. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Jews and Gentiles with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laodicea, into the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Man, I love this about these men. Write this down, number two. You are really living when your purpose you're really living when your purpose is the mission of Jesus. The people that I know who are most alive are the people who are on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. They wake up every day and they know that there's a reason for their existence. They wake up every day and they know that what they're doing really matters, not just in this life, but in the life to come. Listen, you will never be bold, you will never be courageous if you do not think what you're doing really matters. Amen to that? You're never going to live with purpose. You're never going to live with passion. You're never going to be bold. You're never going to be courageous if you think that what you're doing has no real effect. I'm convinced the reason most people are just existing today is, number one, because they've never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. For some of you being in this room at night, it's miserable because there's nothing worse in the world than being forced to sing songs from a heart that is still dead. When your heart is dead, you don't want to do that. And I did that for many years of my life. It wasn't until I was 16 years old when God resurrected my heart. And now I understood. Man, now the singing comes from out of relationship with God. Listen, when God resurrects your heart and when your heart begins to beat for God, you want to declare praise to him. And in this room, man, there's a reason that you don't have a passion for God. There's a reason that you're existing. It's because many of you have never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. That's what, that's what Todd and Brian have been talking about in the morning sessions. But these believers, what did it say? Did you see what they did in verse 3? It says, well, the unbelieving Jews, they poisoned their minds. But look at verse 3. People are saying all kinds of junk about them. So they remained there a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. Look, these brothers stayed. They did not quit. They didn't let anything derail them from the mission and living the abundant life Jesus promised them. Folks, I'm telling you what, we're all going to get back in our cars at some point, buses, vans, and we're going back to our cities. And I'm telling you what, you can't let anything or anyone derail you from the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen to me. I know I've talked to many of you. Some of you are concerned about that. You're saying things like, man, I, I love camp. I love being here. But how do I take this back into my home life, into my hometown? Listen to me. Because Jesus doesn't just live at Falls Creek, right? He's not just here waiting to say, hey, I'll see you next year. No, no. We serve an omnipotent God who's everywhere. He's everywhere, which means he's got plans for you and a purpose for you right where he has placed you. And I'm telling you what, you know you are really living when your purpose in life is indeed the mission of Jesus. These brothers, it says they stayed, they remained, they did not leave. And in, when you get back home, this is so important, when you get back home, I see it all the time. Oh, well, somebody upset me in my youth group, so I stopped going to church. 
Well, somebody was talking about me or somebody upset me. Listen, I'm telling you what, oftentimes in your life, one of the things that will keep you from living is other people. I want you to understand this. The church is not a perfect place, right? People are going to hurt you. They're going to say things about you. You're going to get wounded by people that call you their friends. They did it to Jesus. They did it to his followers. They'll do it to you. But here's the deal. When Jesus is your joy and when his mission is your purpose, no one and nothing will keep you from living, for the, uh, living the life God has for you. I'm telling you what. Don't settle, man. Don't settle for anything. Stop letting other people be your excuse for revealing that your heart really is just dead. And you need to say, man, Jesus, you've resurrected me. I'm not going to let anybody. These people, look what it says in verse 2. They were poisoning the minds against the brothers. In other words, all kinds of things were being said about these brothers. The people were divided over the city. An attempt was made on their life. But look what it says in verse 7. They continued to preach the gospel. You know why? Because they were really living because their purpose was the mission of Jesus. Listen, if you're not living life on mission, you're not living. You're just existing. You're just going through the motions. You've been sucked into this world. And God has something greater for you. I've got to move on. Look at verse 8. Now, 14, 8. Now, Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. Crippled from birth, he had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. Paul looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well. He said in a loud voice, I love this, stand upright on your feet. He sprang up and began walking. Check this moment out. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycanian, the gods have come, little g, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of, of, the, of Zeus, who was at the temple at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the guest and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But look at this response, man. When Paul and Barnabas heard of it, they tore their garments, rushed into the crowd, said, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. But we bring you good news that you should turn from these things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Write this down, number three. You are really living. You are really living when the focus of your life is Jesus. You are really living when the focus of your life is Jesus. The most godly people that I know are the most, are the people who have the most self-denial. They don't think, they're not concerned about what someone's doing for them. They're always looking to serve the Lord and serve others. The focus is not on themselves, it is on Jesus. We are a self-centered society, isn't that right? It's all about what I want. And here, these apostles had this moment. Think about this for a second. This is powerful. Paul and Barnabas were given divine power by God to work in miracles. And when the crowd saw it, they worshiped them as gods. Man, talk about appealing to your flesh. They've been run out of town left and right. And now they have this moment where everybody gathers around and says, the gods have come down to us. Let's worship them. Let's bring, let's, let's have a big meal. Let's, let's do all of these things. Paul and Barnabas could have easily taken tremendous pride in how the people were treating to them, but treating them. But did you see their response in verse 14? When they heard of it, they tore their garments. They rushed into the crowd. Look what they said. They said, men, what are you doing? Stop this. What are you doing? 
We are men of like nature. In other words, we're sinful men. We are nobodies. But this God has appeared to us. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. And we bring you good news. And here's what we're saying to you. Turn from these vain things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth. People could look at this story, and if you're not a believer, not a Christian, you could read the story and say, man, Paul and Barnabas, you're crazy. They wanted to treat you like gods. You could have lived the high life, the high life at least for a night. Man, have a night in the palace, then tomorrow tell them, hey, look, we're not really gods. You know what I mean? At least enjoy the night's sleep, right? They could have done that. But you know what? The reality is Paul and Barnabas knew something. They knew that the only reason they were able to do that miracle is because God gave them the power. And the minute they took credit or glory and God took that power away from them, all those people would see that they had no power in and of themselves. They were only who they were because of the grace and the power of Jesus. And they never forgot that. I want to tell you something tonight, man. You are really living when the focus of your life is Jesus, not you. Not you. Man, this week, you guys have been so kind to us. We walk around, you call our names and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Caleb and I talk about this all the time. We are nobodies. I don't deserve to be standing here. We're nobodies. And what I love about Caleb is that God has just taken this nobody from Newcastle and said, you know what, I'm going to use your story, but it's for my glory. You are on this earth. Listen, God does not exist for you. You exist for God. He made you. He created you with purpose and on purpose. And you're really living when the focus of your life is all about Jesus and not yourself. Paul and Barnabas, I want you to hear this. Paul and Barnabas didn't need to be worshipped to live. They didn't need to be liked to live. They didn't need to be popular to live. They didn't need to be heroized to live. Their life was about the one who gave them life. Man, when you go back home this week, You don't need anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ for your life to matter. Amen to that? For your life to matter. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to be cool. All you've got to be is faithful to the Lord. Let God use you. Take the focus of your life off of yourself. Put it on Jesus and serve other people. Love other people and let them see that your life is not defined by your circumstances. Your life is defined by your God who rescued you and redeemed you and has changed you. And you are alive all because of Jesus. Paul says, I bring you good news. Look at this in verse 15. We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to the living God. Let me ask you tonight, what vain things do you need to turn from? What are you still holding on to? Paul looked at him and says, let go of the things of the world. Some of you are trying to do this. You're trying to hold on to God, and you're trying to hold on to the world, and your life looks like this, and you're constantly pulled, and you're miserable. Some of you tonight need to let go of the things of the world, put both hands on God, and say, God, I'm going to pursue you with all of my heart. No turning back. Turn from the vain things, the worthless, empty things, to the one true living God. Look at this, i got to wrap up here. So look down, look at verse 19. Look what happens here. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds. They st- look at this. They stoned Paul. Is this living? Is this really living? They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Let me ask you, did they just kind of throw a little pebble at him, or did they beat him within an inch of his life? They thought he was dead. They drug him out and left him for dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, He rose up, entered the city, and on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. 
And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. And look what they did. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples and they were encouraging them to continue in the faith. And look at this saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Write this down. Last point. You are really living. You are really living when you understand that trials will come as you follow Jesus. It is a certainty. You cannot follow Jesus and it not cost you something. You're really living, though, when you understand that and not resent that. Many people think they're going to follow Jesus and their life's going to be easy and pretty and rosy. That's not the way it is. The Bible says narrow is the path that leads to life. You are really living, though, when you understand that trials are just a part of what, it, of, of what comes with following Jesus. Think about this. These these brothers were stoned. Paul was stoned. They, they literally beat him within an inch of his life. Paul could have easily said, God, is this really what I signed up for? Is this the abundant life you told me about? That's what he could have said in his flesh. But instead, as he gets up, he preaches the gospel. He rolls into town, and in verse, verse 22 is huge. He says, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Why was Paul able to strengthen their souls? Because there's something about a guy who's been through the fire that stands in front of you and says, guys, my God is worth it. Jesus is better. I'm telling you what, you're going to suffer, but it is worth it. Because one day, all things will be made right in the kingdom of God. Because he says right here that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That's why the essence of following Jesus is this. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Let me just bring this home, and I'm going to have Caleb come out in just a second. Man, when I gave my life to Jesus, I had no idea what was going to be coming my way. And so I get married, and we have this beautiful life together. We have seven children, as I've heard you say, as you've heard me say. But things began to take a real turn in my life in 2012. In 2012, my nephew, 85-day-old nephew, passed away. I'm sorry, in 2013. Trey got cancer in 2012, but my nephew passed away in 2013, 85 days old. Two months after that, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, passed away from cancer. Two weeks after that, my son Trey passed away from cancer. Three very difficult deaths all in one summer. We begin to try to heal from that. 2016, my uncle suddenly passed away. 2017, my wife's youngest brother, married with three kids, passed away suddenly. And then in 2017, one month after my wife's brother passed away, Caleb had his near-fatal car accident. Tremendous heartache and difficulty. We prayed in every one of those situations for earthly healing, but it was just death upon death upon death upon death. And I found myself a little bit jaded, going, man, maybe God just doesn't heal on earth. Maybe he just only heals in heaven, which again, for the believer, that's awesome. We like to say that, that our, with Trey, our worst day was Trey's best day. He stepped right into the presence of God. But for us, it was still difficult to continue in this life. So for years, here I am a pastor. I mean, I got to get up on stage and preach to the people. And I got to do all these things. And I got I to encourage people when sometimes I needed to be encouraged. And I found myself living with this huge hole in my heart. And Caleb's accident kind of put me over the edge. But there's no time. There's no time to grieve. There's no time to, and so you find yourself just kind of pulling your bootstraps up and saying, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put my head down. And I'm going to go. I got to lead my family. I got to lead my church. I got to just, all of these things. And little did I know, I moved away from the abundant Christian life to just existing. 
You can ask my wife. I was notorious for saying this, man, I don't want to go to bed tonight because i got to get up tomorrow and do it all over again. I felt this burden in this cloud over my head. Well, about two years after Caleb's accident, I went to Africa on a mission trip, 2019. I was in Africa. We went to Mozambique. And while we were there, a cyclone had hit Mozambique in the spring, devastating the town. Many people lost their homes, their churches. Many lost their lives. Family members died. We had gathered with these pastors and their spouses for this conference. And every night I would watch these pastors that I got to know. And they would get on stage, man, and they're dancing. And they're praising God for hours, for hours, just on their knees praising God. No lights, no sound, none of this. It was just worshiping God. And as I got to know these pastors, it got more personal. I was like, man, I know that guy. His wife died in the cyclone. I know that lady. Her kids died in the, in the cyclone. I know that, man. They lost their church. These people had experienced so much loss, but they had so much joy in their life. And one night I was sitting in the room, and this is again two years after Caleb's wreck, after all the heartache that, that we had been through. And again, God had been so good to us in our life. He had carried us at times. God had used our suffering. But for me personally, there were some deep struggles I wasn't even really aware of until this moment. I'm sitting in this room and I'm watching these men and women praise God with all of their heart. Tears are streaming down my face. And I'm just looking at each one of them. And I know they've experienced loss, but they're praising God. And I begin to just say this kind of quietly under my breath. I just begin to say, man, I want to live. I want to live. And I, I get on my knees and tears are coming down my face. I want to live. And before I know it, I'm standing up saying, I want to live. And at the top of my lungs, in this room full of all these African brothers and sisters, I'm shouting, I want to live. And for the first time since my son Trey had died, I began to feel the clouds lift. And the glory of God just kind of filled my heart and reminded me that he had more for me left to do on this earth. And that I had just been getting by. I had been letting my pain dictate my life in my circumstances. I had been focusing on the things I had lost instead of what God was doing. And in that moment, I began to understand what it really means to live is when I lose sight of everything, but I put my eyes totally on Jesus. That's right. No, absolutely. In that day things begin to shift for me. I'm not saying, I miss Trey every single day. There's not a day that goes by I don't think about that. I'm telling there's not a parent in the world that can be prepared for when, you're, when your seven-year-old son steps into eternity. Broke my heart. And I'm going to live with that broken heart until I'm, I'm, I'm with the Lord. When Caleb had his accident and the thought of losing him broke my heart. But here was the deal. God has done a work in me like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Yes, I was born again at 16, but you can be a Christian and still kind of just start existing in your life. But God lifted the cloud. Sometimes you don't even know the cloud is hanging over your head until God lifts the cloud. And when he lifts it, you can find yourself saying, God, I want to live. Some of you tonight, you've had the cloud over your head for a long time. For some of you, it's the cloud of sin, death, and hell, and you've never trusted Jesus. Listen, you'll never get out of that cloud until you take your first step toward Jesus and say, I want to live. Jesus, you are life. I trust you. And some of you in a moment, you need to get down here and give your life to Jesus because he will resurrect that dead heart and you will start to live. Caleb, if you'd start coming out here. But some of you also, some of you also, man, you're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's no difference in you than an unbeliever. And you find yourself saying, yeah, I'm alive, but like Lazarus, you got those grave clothes on and you need to drop them. You claim to be alive, but you're living like you're dead.
There is nothing more confusing to a lost world than to say this, man, Jesus has changed me, but there's no change in my life. That's got to stop. Caleb, tell him, man, what is it? You are now more alive than you've ever been in your whole life. We've talked all about this. Talk, talk about that for a minute. Well, yeah, this subject is very dear to my heart because for my whole life, before the wreck, my physical body was more alive, but I was living like I was more dead. Like I was just existing, going through the motions, but it's kind of counterculture because whenever the wreck happened, my physical body will look to be more dead, but Jesus had revived my heart to be more alive. Right. So, showing the watch world, showing to watching world, it looked different. I feel like that will show them Jesus the most. That's right. Caleb is more physically impaired now, but he's never been more spiritually alive. And you know what? In this world, in your life, what good does it do to be physically alive but spiritually dead? What good does it do to be able to run and jump and do all the things you can do physically but die in your sin? Caleb has been resurrected. I love when Caleb says this. Tell him, Caleb, because Caleb, he sings with all of his heart on his knees. He, made, he shouts praises to God. He shares Jesus. Tell, talk about that for a minute. Why is it that when you didn't have breath and you didn't have words, talk, tell him about that. That's so beautiful. Yeah, like, I just feel like for a long time, I would try to speak, but no words would come out. But now when I speak, I speak so easily. So I feel like God has graciously. Like he didn't have to, but of his grace, he has restored those abilities. So I feel like to use them for my own personal gain would kind of be foolish. I feel like Jesus wants me to use them more to bring people to him and for his his for his glory to be received. That's right. I mean, there was a time Caleb couldn't breathe. He had a breathing machine for him. There was a time he couldn't speak. And now that God's given him back his breath, and now that God's given him back his words, I'm learning from him every day because he doesn't want to waste it. His yeah. very breath, right, his very heartbeat is for the glory of God. His very words are to bring people encouragement. Man, he encourages people. He points them to Jesus with his life. So, Caleb, you would say now that you are alive now more than ever. Talk to somebody out there tonight who, man, they're just existing. They've never stepped from death to life. Man, they're still in darkness. Because for you, you sat out there for a long time. Yeah. You were good at the church game. You were good at the Falls Creek game, but you were dead in your heart. Call them to life. What would you say to them tonight? Yeah, I sat out there for a long time thinking I was alive. But just going through the motions, playing in the church again. But I felt like what my dad was saying, like when you have that calm over your head, you don't even realize it's there until it gets lifted. And once Jesus lifted the colors over my eyes, it was just so refreshing. As it felt like my eyes opened for the first time, I started seeing things that were honestly beautiful that I never would have seen before. That's right. Like, I love telling women that they're beautiful. <laughs> well, of uh, course. I do, but uh, like whenever I was living, going through the motions, 
just existing. I didn't notice those kind of things. I was just more focused on myself. But now I feel like since God has lived in my perspective, he's given me eyes to see. Honestly, every single person out there has some beauty. That's right. And just because they're not my cup of tea <laughs> doesn't mean they're not worth telling that they're beautiful. That's right. It's crazy to me. Kayla, that's good, man. That's good. And so this is the deal. I mean, this is kind of the moment of truth. Last night, what will you do? In just a moment, we're going to do what we've done every night. We're going to stand. And I want to know, are you really living? And if not, Jesus Christ said, as we, as we saw last night in John 11, I am the resurrection and the what? I'm the resurrection and the life. He wants to give you real life. Now, here's the deal. I can't promise you an easy life. Look at my life. I wouldn't wish my life upon anybody. But what I can promise you this is that Jesus is better than anything this world offers, and he will get you through whatever you face. So I encourage you with something tonight. I encourage you with this. Man, let that be your prayer. Say, God, I want to live. Jesus, would you resurrect my heart? Last thing, yep. Like I heard the Bible verse that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But the truth is, I didn't really know what Jesus is the life really means. And honestly, when I was still living my life, I felt like I didn't need Jesus to step into my life and be the life because I felt like I already had that. Yeah. But honestly, now that Jesus has done that for me, like, it's made all the difference. Like, this is what living, I feel like, it is what God designed it to look like. That's it. And it's beautiful. That's right. Man, if Caleb has encouraged you, would you let him know? Man, thank you, Caleb. All right, buddy. I'll see you in a minute. Right. Hey, quickly, quickly. All right. One last thing. That's good. All right. Take your kisses and park them, buddy. All right. All right, man. It's been a great week. God's done a great work. Two things tonight. If you're still dead in your sin, God loves you. He's calling you. He's made himself known to you. Will you choose to respond to him in faith and say, God, I want to live. God, I want to live. You can do that tonight. The gospel is simply this. You're a sinner and you're dead in your sin. Your sin separates you from God. But God, who is rich in mercy, he came to you. He came to you right now. He's made himself known to you. He died in your place because he loves you. He rose from the dead three days later. He says anyone. Everybody say anyone. Anyone who would call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved. Also tonight, there are some of you that have been wrestling with a call to ministry all week. Fear, confusion, whatever. But you know God's called you. It's time to step out and say, God, I want to serve you with my whole life. You've called me. I've heard that call. God, I want to answer. And in a moment, we want to give you a chance to do that. So can we bow our head together? Right there in our chair. Can we bow our head just for a moment? Right there in your seat. Man, please don't bother the person next to you. Last night, best night. Don't leave. Don't tune out. Then would you come forward tonight and say, Jesus, I want to live. 
God, resurrect my heart, change me. Jesus, you're better. Would you do that tonight? Nearly 260 or so have walked from death to life this week. And we don't want there to be one person that leaves dead in their sin. Anybody here that say, hey, Pastor Jeremy, man, that's me. If I were to die, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. But man, I want to know. I'm tired of just existing. I want to live. Would you pray for me? If that's you tonight, you say, Pastor, man, I don't, I, I'm just existing. I want to live. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up real high where I can see it. Put it up real high. I want to walk from death to life. I want to live. I want to live. How right, you can put those hands down. How many of you say, hey, Pastor, man, God's, I know God's calling me to the ministry, and tonight I want to take that step. Would you pray for me? If you say, man, I know that he's calling me. I want to talk with someone about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up where I can see it. Put it real high. And you got to let somebody know. All right, you can put those hands down. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus right now, God, would you do what only you can do, resurrect dead hearts. God, we want to live. We don't want to exist. We want to live life and life to the fullest in Jesus' name. We don't want to be defined by our pain. We want you to define our pain. We don't want to be defined by our sin. We want you to remove our sin. Jesus, you are better. You are better. And God, we run to you tonight. I pray that not one single person would leave here tonight still dead in sin. God, bring them to life now, we pray. We love you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. To follow us on Facebook or Instagram, just search for Oklahoma Baptist Youth. And for more information, visit oklahomabaptist.org slash youthcamp. Thanks for listening.